Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the eighth episode of the Wormburner Podcast. I am your host, Justin, and for this week, we're going to be talking about a bunch of miscellaneous stuff starting off in Germany with the latest news there, then going to London, England to be discussing Chelsea Football Club uh, a little bit more. There has been a, a recent development that I wanted to touch base on. And then finally rounding up our, our little roundup around the world, I wanted to talk about the CONCACAF Champions League final, which is going to be coming up within the next couple of weeks. I'm super excited for that. And then for our league breakdown this week, we are going to be talking about Colombia. So it's going to be a different league format this week than we're normally used to talking about. And so we'll be going over that, as well as their rivalries, history, and then Topping it off with our extra man advice of the week at the end of the episode. If you have not already, go to our Facebook page and like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner Podcast. And if you have not checked out our page, it is the Wormburner Podcast.captivate.fm. Again, that is the Wormburner Podcast.captivate.fm. If you have not, Share this out with somebody that would maybe be interested in learning about the Colombian League or maybe even some of our previous episodes. Uh, Feel free, and I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode. Let's go ahead and get into the roundup. Alright, so for the breaking news out of Germany that I had alluded to before, Erling Brandt Holland has apparently signed a contract with Manchester City to be transferring over in the summer of 2022. This has been recent and breaking based off of The Athletic as well as other news sources that he has been given a contract of 500,000 euros a week, which is either the equivalent to or the largest salary in the Premier League for a player, which is ridiculous for Manchester City to do. I I understand why, because, I mean, Erling Brent Holland has his agent, <laughs> Mino Raiola. He is a high baller. He will get you as much money as possible. That's the way that Mino Raiola works. And working with Manchester City, you know that, honestly, they just got money to throw away. Whether I agree with it being thrown away in such a manner, I would probably want that contract lessened a little bit, but you know, that's just my personal opinion when it comes to it. Now, overall, not to beat around the bush, but this feels like a really good move for him, and I can see him making a move like this, mainly due to the fact that when it comes to a team that needs a striker, there is no recognized team that needs a striker more than Manchester City when it comes to the big teams. The only other team that I see that would need a striker is PSG, but that's a big if, and that's if Mbappe leaves PSG, which, at least based off the recent information and recent things coming out, I don't see that happening. I It could. It could. But Real would need to do that. Real would need to purchase Mbappe, and I don't really see that happening right now. Maybe that's one of those things where maybe Benzema would be put down on the bench or a super sub or something along those lines. But I don't see Mbappe taking a backup position to Benzema. 
that's just something I don't see personally when it comes to that. And that's another reason why also another report had said that Erling Brent Holland has put City over Real when it comes to him deciding his future, which I can completely understand. If I was in his shoes, I would understand and, and would want the same exact situation. You want to be starting at that age and at the caliber he's doing, you don't want to settle for anything less than a starting position. And if you're going to a team like Real, granted, they are Real Madrid, one of the best teams in the world in recent history. You don't want to be playing second fiddle to a player like Benzema for one to two years that you could be getting extremely vital time and effort improving your game in, in big matches at like a Manchester City. For an example, I understand where Holland's logic is coming from, and that's where I wanted to update that. And then coming out of Chelsea, it's not as much news as the Erling Brent Holland news, but one of the people going in to bid for Chelsea has removed their bid. This has remained anonymous, at least for the current time. One of the bidders has officially removed his bid in trying to buy Chelsea Football Club. There are still three bidders currently in the run for buying Chelsea Football Club still. And it's apparently supposed to be resolved within this next week. I don't know where this is going to go. And as I've said before, I don't want to beat around the bush, but I really hope that this gets resolved really, really soon. Otherwise, they are going to be in a world of hurt coming in this summer. But going into the latest news in the CONCACAF region, the final has officially been decided. It is going to be Pumas against the Seattle Sounders for the CONCACAF Champions League final this year. I'm really, really, really excited for this because obviously having an American team in the final is a big deal. But since the recreation of the CONCACAF Champions League, no U.S. team has won it. And it has been a very, very, very long time since a team has won it. I believe it was 2002-2003 when the last U.S. team won it. And that was the L.A. Galaxy. Every other team has slipped up in the final every single time since then. And we just can't get one over Mexico. It just... Something happens. It's either... We do really, really well in the first game, and then the second game we just give up too much, and we just get complacent. We think that we've already won, and, and they come back and win. That's kind of the mentality that it comes down to in these games that can be the reason why you lose a game. I'm not saying that any of these teams have done that, but especially if you get complacent, complacency is a, a very dangerous double-edged sword. Because complacency can lead to you being calm, making more rational choices when it comes to playing, but it can also make you really unfocused to some degree. And when it comes to the play, if the other team is upping the tempo and really coming at you, 
and putting you in situations where you're not comfortable, that's where it goes from complacency being a good thing to complacency being a really bad thing. And when you have those kinds of situations, at least within recent years that I've seen the Champions League final, the CONCACAF Champions League final, we can't allow this. We have to have these teams on the back foot the entire time. And I feel like Seattle has a really good chance of that. Not recounting too much about the previous game, but the semifinal with Seattle against NYCFC, they really did have a good turnout when it came to that game. They were really good, really pressing. They had a lot of good qualities that I really want to see in the final. I think that Seattle could do it, whether they show up or not, is a completely different story. Can Seattle win the Champions League for the first time since the reformatting in the CONCACAF? I think they can. It's one of those things that you don't really know till the day. You never know how these players are going to play. I think Seattle has what it takes. Personally, when it comes to me watching these games, I think the recent three times that a U.S. team's been in the final, I felt like we were capable of winning. But did we actually win? No. I felt like the first time that at least a MLS team should have won the CONCACAF Champions League was Toronto FC. Toronto should have won it. I think that was back in 2013-14. It was their season where they won the treble the first mls based team that won the treble they should have won it that year that was a unbelievable team unbelievable record they were just unstoppable that season and they just came 90 minutes short of winning the Concacaf champions league title they should have won that game so that was one team that i felt really really should have won it but All the other teams, they've definitely had the ability to win. Whether they've come out on the night and and actually done what they need to do is a completely different story. Like I've been talking about before with LAFC coming into existence two years before that Champions League final showing, or three years, my, my apologies, three years before their Champions League final showing, and they ended up losing a game where I genuinely felt like they should have won that. They were 1-0 up and they had I believe it was 40 they had a half, they they had an entire half to press Tigres completely out of that game. They had every single opportunity to do that, but they just sat back and defended, which is against a team like Tigres is something you do not do. <laughs> This is all my personal opinion when it comes to it, but all in all, I do feel that Seattle can do it. Seattle will have my support going into that game. Being a U.S. team, being an American myself, I really hope that they do win it because honestly, I really want this blasted curse to be just lifted and and done. (laughs) I'm so sick of having this kind of stigma of U.S. teams going into CONCACAF Champions League final games and losing to these Mexican sides. And this is not to take away anything from the Mexican sides because they've been absolutely dominant over the past two decades in the Champions League. I just feel like I'm done with the MLS getting beat down the way that they are. 
that's the where I'm at. That's where I'm at when it comes to American soccer. My personal opinion is that we've been beaten down to the point where you got to get back up at, at some point. And I feel like this could be one of those opportunities where we really put our foot down and solidify ourselves getting back up to becoming one of the better leagues in well we we already should be the best league in CONCACAF but Mexico has us beat by a little bit but we could have a at least claim to being one of the better of the world now we aren't talking to Barclays Premier League standard we aren't talking about any of that we're talking about possibly Colombia as a hint to the league breakdown this week Colombia, some of the bigger nations when it comes to South America, we could definitely compete with. We just aren't to that standard yet because we've been beaten down. And rightly so. Honestly, when it comes to me and the way that I have my view of American soccer, we need to be taking it more seriously. And I talked about this in season one. We need to be taking this sport more seriously if we want to become better at it. And taking all of these losses on the chin, getting back up and pushing harder next time. This is this is literally the definition of getting up when you get knocked down. And the US has been knocked down many, 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 many times. Probably way too many to even count when it comes to soccer and we just need to get back up and push. Seattle, I feel like, is one of those teams where we can finally push and say, all right, We've got a dominant team here in the MLS. We've got dominant teams in the MLS that compete, that can compete against these Liga MX teams. Let's let's do this. Let's get this done. I want this done. And I'm just ready for that final. I really, really am. I'm just so, so, so excited for that final. So with that being said, let's go ahead and wrap up the Around the World Roundup. For this week, let's go ahead and get into the league breakdown of the Colombian First Division. Alrighty, so for our league breakdown this week, we are going to be talking about the Colombian First Division. I'm so excited about this one because this is actually a different league format than we're actually used to talking about. Because with these other leagues, it's pretty much you play each team twice, once home, once away. And then the top team is the team that is the champion. In Colombia, it's a little bit different. And so from the 15th of August, 1948, the Colombian First Division has been around for 73 years. Now, with the format of this league, it has been changed a couple times over the past, I'd say, decade or two. The latest change happening in the 2001-2002 season. But the current format that is in Colombia right now is that each season is divided into two halves. For simplicity's sake, I am going to be using the same two phrases that are being used in other leagues so that way I can keep this more solidified and not change the names and therefore confusing people 
So we will be calling these two different sections of the league the Apertura and the Clausura. So the Apertura is the opening season or the spring season and then the Clausura is the closing season so or the final bit of the season. So each half of the season is played differently. So the Apertura is played again at the first part of the season, you play each team in the league once. At the end of that, each of the top eight teams are split into two groups of four, and they play each other twice. Once that is complete, the top team in each of those two groups plays in the final for the championship. So in this example, it is the Apertura Championship. Now for the Clausura, it's super simple because it's the exact same thing repeated. You play each team once again, then the top eight teams qualify for the tournament at the end. Each of those eight teams are broken into two groups of four. They play each other twice in that group, and then each of the top teams in that group play in the final for the Clausura title. That is how the Colombian League works. To get into relegation, it is a bit of a complicated relegation system. This system is actually much like the Mexican relegation system. So the relegation system in the Colombian national team is that it is average points achieved in the in the league table so as an example a total season is 38 games so that's both the apertura and the clausura combined with this it's a 38 game season and you get 85 points your team gets 85 points in that season that would mean that your team has a average points total of 2.2 points per game. That's how it is configured as the average points. So you take the total amount of points that you earn in the season and divide it by the amount of games that you played, and that is your average points. The team with the lowest average points at the end of the season gets relegated. Now, something that is a bit different, and much like Mexico, different compared to the rest of the world, is that these average points are taken over three seasons. So the previous three seasons in total make up their average points. This in turn has come under some scrutiny because unless a newly promoted team has a really, really good season, the likelihood of them getting relegated is very, very high because they don't have the average point system or the average points totals that these other teams have and thus making it more difficult to knock these teams out of the first division. This 
like I said, this has come under scrutiny, but it's a very interesting way of formulating a league and one that I actually genuinely enjoy as a spectator of the sport. Now, going into the club history of this league, the champions of this league have been all across the country of Colombia. No one team has really been the dominant force in Colombian soccer over the history of the league. So the number one team with the most Colombian first division titles is Atletico Nacional with 16 titles. The next team in second place is Millonarios with 15 titles and tied for second is America de Cali with 15. In fourth place, we have Deportivo Cali with 10 titles and a tie for fifth place between Junior and Santa Fe with nine titles. With the relegated teams or the teams that have never been relegated from the Colombian top flight, there is actually an interesting situation that hasn't happened recently. And that's there's three teams that have never been relegated from the Colombian top flight since 1948 and its founding. Those three teams are Santa Fe, Millonarios, and Atletico Nacional. Those three teams have never been relegated from the Colombian top flight. Moving on to the cup competition in Colombia. This has been a much more spotty competition when it comes to the league in general in Colombia. The Copa Colombia was first established on the 14th of October 1950. They did two years of this competition in 1950 and 1952. They ended up ending the competition, then bringing it back in 1981, then ending it again, then bringing it back in 1989, then ending it again, and then re-establishing the Copa Colombia in 2008. And ever since then, it has been in every single season since. So there aren't as many titles being won in this competition since the reestablishment of the Copa Colombia came back in 2008. But still, the top five winners of this competition is number one with five titles is Atletico Nacional. Then in second place is Independiente Medellin with three. You have in third place Santa Fe with two titles. And again, a tie for third is Junior with two titles. And rounding out the top five, again, a third place draw for the fifth team is Millonarios with two titles. This has been a relatively competitive competition. It does seem like that there is a bit of a lead when it comes to Nacional having two titles, but with that, it does seem like this competition is very competitive, much like the Colombian First Division. Now for the talking point that I'm sure all of you really, really enjoy, it is the rivalries that take place 
in Colombia. So the there are two main rivalries that I want to highlight. The main one is, or the one I want to highlight first, is the Medellin Derby, which is the rivalry between Independiente Medellin and Atletico Nacional. These are the two big teams in Medellin that play against each other. This is a very extremely competitive rivalry and some of the biggest games deciding titles could be determined or could come down to winning or losing this this derby. Independiente Medellin don't have as many titles as Atletico Nacional does, but I am fairly confident that Independiente Medellin has stopped Atletico Nacional from winning more titles by possibly beating them in the league or having a situation where they put them into a losing streak. Things like this happen when it comes to soccer, and that's why I wanted to highlight this rivalry, because being a city derby in Colombia, they take their soccer very seriously. And being with Medellin, it's a crazy, crazy place, and and a derby I would really love to go to, seeing the atmosphere and hearing the reports from this game it's a game that most people if they have the opportunity to go to this derby another derby that i really want to go to in colombia if i ever get the opportunity to go to colombia is the rivalry again atletico nacional getting a a little bit of a extra rivalry here is atletico nacional against millionaires fc so this Rivalry is more of a geographical and a competitive rivalry when it comes to the overall success of these two teams. These two teams are the most successful teams in Colombia when it comes to titles. Not only that, but they are geographically located very close to each other. With Bogota being the home of Millonarios and Medellin being the home of Atletico Nacional, they are actually located in in the same state or region as each other. Medellin is actually the capital of the region and Bogota being the capital of Colombia itself. So this can be an extremely heated rivalry because this is the representation of Colombia itself. These two teams being the most successful teams from Colombia, this can get extremely, extremely heated very, very quickly, especially if it comes down to a title or anything like that. If you have the opportunity to see this or maybe even go to this game, be safe, but of course, go and watch this game that I I, this is why I highlight these rivalries. These rivalries look amazing and these rivalries have so much impact when it comes to the league and, and titles itself. These games make or break everything when it comes to a season or a trophy run or everything. It, it can make or break these, these scenarios and these situations. Now, going to the interesting fact of the week for this league it's a bit of a unexpected interesting fact of the week. So one of these clubs in Colombia was supported by the Medellin cartel. So when it comes to the 
overall team itself, at some point in their history, they were openly funded by, by the Medellin cartel. And more specifically, Pablo Escobar himself, one of the, or if not the, most famous cartel leader of all time, was a personal fan of Atletico Nacional in Medellin. This is the team that has had the funding from the Medellin cartel, and it has some bad history when it comes to that kind of that kind of history behind the club. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to highlight it because this is one of the interesting aspects of soccer that you don't really have highlighted around the world, which is why it's the interesting fact of the week this week. So let's go ahead and get into the extra man advice of the week. All right, so for this week's extra man advice of the week, I wanted to pick something that we haven't really touched base on and honestly something that I kind of struggle with myself as a soccer player when it comes to playing the game I really want I want to be really good I want to push myself to the point where I become a really good player that's the way that my mentality is that's the way that I drive myself to be the best at whatever I can be and this is for those kind of people that have that kind of mentality but that advice is don't try to be perfect and even for me that's a very difficult thing to do because whenever I play and I miss a shot or I miss an easy pass it it is a bit of a letdown for me and I take it hard but I am working with it and it is something that has been improving with me. I feel that I have a better composure when it comes to the game now than when I was first starting to play. Obviously, there's a big difference, but when you aren't trying to be perfect, it allows you to make mistakes, but that that shouldn't change anything when it comes to striving to be perfect. These are two completely different things, and the reason I say that is because striving to be perfect, it still allows you to make mistakes if you don't try to be perfect. Strive for perfection, but if you do mess up, that's okay. Don't be that hard on yourself because it's one pass that you can end up making up in a different, in a different attack later on in the game. That was one of the things that I always told my players when we played and even myself personally when I play in games. Just because you miss that one chance doesn't mean that you aren't ever going to get a chance again. That is so baloney, it's not even funny. You are going to get another chance. Don't beat yourself up if you miss one chance. Even though I very much beat myself up over that one time. I am getting better at it, and that's why for this week, I wanted to make this the extra man advice of the week. I hope you guys enjoyed this week. It was very, very fun to research and put effort into. 
If you've made it to the end of the episode, thank you, thank you, thank you. A million times thank you for making it to the end. And if you have not already, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner Podcast. And if you have not checked out our website, it is the wormburner podcast.captivate.fm. Again, that is the wormburner podcast.captivate.fm. Thank you so much for listening. Go ahead and share this with your friends if you think that they'll actually be interested in this as well as look forward to other episodes together. I hope you guys have an amazing week. Look forward to playing soccer. Me, myself, I hope to play soccer either tomorrow or the day after tomorrow, but we'll see. I hope that you guys have an amazing rest of the week. Stay safe, have fun, and love soccer, and I'll see you guys next week. Ciao, everyone.